If you still call ESG in the credit markets a niche market, well, my guest would strongly disagree with you, and today she is going to tell you why. Agnes Bork is Head of Sustainable Capital Markets at BNP Paribas. Agnes, thank you for joining. Thank you very much, Kisa. Very happy to be with you today. So first, let's talk about the work you do structuring credit. We can talk specifically about sustainability-linked bonds and some of the other areas that you focus on. How long BNP Paribas has been in this space and why you are a bit annoyed when people refer to ESG and credit markets Mm. as a niche market? So, first of all, kind of, we're very happy to be with you and effectively being able to tell you a bit more what we call sustainable finance at BNP Paribas and what we do with our clients from that perspective. So, actually, we've been looking at sustainability for a very long time. I think well over 10 years ago, the bank started putting in place policies and that cuts across all the business we are doing at the bank. So, it goes far beyond even sustainable finance. It's really integrating sustainability in all our businesses. Um, and that has evolved over time, you know, covering more sectors, um, being more refined as well. So, actually, this was the origins, if you want, um, of sustainable finance. Um, and today, we look at sustainable finance across business lines, across our client types um, and we try to really serve every counterpart we have in the market today whether it's on the investment side whether it's um, on our borrower and issuer side um, and I think um, one of the <laughs> the problem when we look at um, the ESG market um, it's true that we've called it niche for a number of years um, I think the most advanced market today you know is still on the sustainable bonds because it was really kind of, you know, the first one to start. Um, And when you look at that, just to give you a a bit in numbers, effectively, um, we are, we've crossed already at the end of July, the level of issuances of sustainable bonds worldwide that we had at the end of the year last year. So effectively, in seven months, (laughs) we've done the volumes in the market worldwide um, that we had seen for a whole year of 2020. And pretty much every year for the last few years, that's what we are seeing. And really where we say, I think today we are at an inflection point. We see in the volumes, but we also seeing um, in the way our clients are looking at this market, you don't really have an investor today that don't have sustainability in their investment processes, in their in, in their funds, in what they sell to their own client. And you don't have a firm today that tells you, I don't look at my financing and from a sustainability perspective. So actually, you know, you have so many pointers that say today it is moving away from being a niche market and really becoming almost mainstream effectively. Well, you definitely make the case there. So thanks for that, Agnes. I want to talk about primary trends and value drivers that you're seeing and specifically how these trends and drivers can be used to do analysis, um, ensuring clarity for around default risks, um, for example. Let's talk about those trends and drivers and how they're being used in your analysis today. So effectively, they started what we always tell our clients um, on the issuer side, if we focus on the bond market, 
Effectively, everything we do in sustainable finance starts with their sustainability strategy. So we don't create anything in the vacuum. It's really what, as a company, as a bank, as a supranational sometimes, what have you put in place today in your business? What have you committed to um, that will deliver? for a sustainable plan of development for your um, activity. And that's really the starting point. And what we have seen in sustainable finance um, over time, and that's really, I think, the bit the hidden value, sometimes unspoken value of sustainable finance, is that actually we have, and we want to see more and more of those, but effectively what we are looking at is um, when we have clients that have sustainability strategies that um, are good but not yet fully developed, coming to the stable finance market really help them to speed that process. Um, and I would say when they come with, you know, be it a green bond, be it a sustainability linked bond, they will effectively really have a deeper engagement with the investor base. So, you know, when you when you look at what sustainable finance have delivered and is even more true today, it's really an acceleration of the sustainability strategy that our clients are putting in place. Um, so I would say, um, you know, driver is really, you know, striving for always better, always faster in a way, which is what investors are demanding. Um, if you, you know, since the Paris Agreement, we've had so many evolutions, but a lot of them recently you will have heard of um, the Net Zero um, Asset Manager Alliance, Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance. So all those investors signing up to those alliances are saying effectively we need to have our portfolio uh, reaching net zero by 2050 and we need to have intermediary steps to get there. And they are driving really um, the issuers to attain those targets, to help them attain those targets in the portfolio. So I would say you know, acceleration of sustainability overall, and that's one of the key trends. Carbon is really one of the, the main focus today. And as soon as you say carbon, then you put the light on everything else because, you know, we know carbon is not enough. You need to look at circular economy. You need to look at water. And then you need to talk about just transition, because if we are going to move away some businesses from what they do today to something new, what do you do with um, the staff, the local communities? So. All this we take into account when we look at sustainable finance. So just keeping along those lines, you're talking about key trends, the acceleration and how that comes to bear, um, carbon as well as looking at transition. I want to take a particular area and I want to look at oil and gas, the oil and gas sector. So if we're looking at this from that perspective and if we're talking about the acceleration that we see as a trend, if we're talking about transitioning, how can we look at those transformational strategies in the oil and gas sector? And, and then how are you acting as a bridge between the investor as well as the, as the sector itself in this transformation story? Mm. Yeah, so thank you for using actually the word bridge, Kisa, because I think that's really the way we um, we see ourselves saying, look, there are many parties effectively, you know, involved in sustainability, as I said, pretty much kind of, you know, every financial market participants today. Um, and we are really here to facilitate connecting effectively relevant parties. Um, and I think oil and gas, the oil and gas sector is, is actually a very good example. Um, what we are looking at um, in a lot of 
you know, areas of the economies is really sectored are still really carbon intensive, or, or we call them sometimes hard to abate sectors. Um, and the oil and gas, especially when you look at European major, they've they've made such huge strides actually um, in the recent months and really shown how they are going to transform their businesses. So, um, you know, you will have heard um, some of them saying we are actually becoming energy companies. We shouldn't really be called oil and gas anymore in the future. And it's really a transformation that they are putting in place. Um, and from a sustainable finance perspective, the way we look at it is really if you are um, in a in a sector and if you have um, a strategy where really you have to explain and, and to educate quite um, deeply actually and and try to put your message across as efficiently and as quickly as possible because things are moving ahead very rapidly. Um, you will see uh, all, all the oil and gas, um, you know, CEOs, CFO, they will explain at length. If you listen to any of their earning presentation, a lot of it will be on ESG. A lot of the questions will be on ESG. Um, and actually what we tell our clients is really there is a unique tool to help you communicate this new strategy in an effective manner to your investor base, in particular your debt investor base, and this is around sustainable finance and sustainable bonds in particular. So again, kind of, you know, we take as a starting point really the, the strategy of the issuer. Sometimes we'll reach a point um, where actually we don't have all the technology at hand that is needed, and that's where, you know, we get really innovation coming into play. That's very frequent, I would say, because it's such a growing market. Um, there are so many new things that we keep, uh, new frontiers that we keep pushing effectively. So um, alongside the volume growth, I would say innovation is always kind of going in pair with um, with what we see in the market. Um, and in the oil and gas sector, that, that's very true. And you will have seen in the market um, two players in the oil and from the European major, ENI and Repsol, so BNP Paribas was active on both transactions. Um, and they've been really successful into bringing their new sustainability strategy to debt investors in, in a very kind of formatted way. So every investor straight away, you know, it attracts attention and they can clearly see, you know, what are the salient points, if you want, of this decarbonization trajectory. So if we're looking at what's really differentiating, um, what's the differentiating factor between a successful strategy or successfully bringing sustainability to investors versus an unsuccessful bid, is it simply in the education? So you mentioned using those um, earnings reports and those earnings conversations to talk about it, really communicating. Is it simply in having the conversations or do you feel that there are other factors that lead mm. to success outside of that? So I think having the conversations is key because if you ask, you know, you will have kind of talked to a lot of ESG investors, they will always say we need to engage with companies with you know every you know every issue uh, every company we hold in our portfolio we need to engage more um, to understand them better but also to be able to influence um, and sustainable finance is a key tool for investors 
So it goes both ways, you know, issuers will educate investors on where they see themselves today, where they want to go, but also investors will educate issuers where they need them to go effectively. So it goes both ways. Um, but also one of the very um, important examples and um, you know, there are companies when we start the discussion around sustainable finance, um, we have really a full review of where they stand um, in their sustainability strategy. Um, and there are cases where effectively we have to discuss, you know, what new can they incorporate, um, you know, typical example, can they actually start having commitment on scope three, for example which is then gives the full picture of the carbon footprint of the company. Um, so, you know, it's a, I would say the transaction or the framework that we pub that the company published that we advise them on, that's only the tip of the iceberg. Um, there will be cases before where actually, you know, the company strategy has shifted from the first time we spoke. Um, and that's, you know, obviously that's, you know, you don't see it as easily as the, the end transaction itself. But that's, I think, one of the true value of sustainable finance. It, that's why I was saying, you know, it, it's an accelerator, effectively, of, of the development. Right. You know, let's transition and talk a bit about data. What KPIs and data are helpful to investors to know if corporates are getting on that mm. sustainability path in that accelerated way that you just mm. mentioned? Mm. Um, so I think um, if you look at uh, ES and G, um, I would say G is um, a whole topic by itself. Um, any investors, you know, whether it's conventional um, types of transaction or whether it's sustainable finance, that will be a bit the basis effectively. Um, and here, a lot of investors will go directly through really deep engagement with the company if there was anything they wanted to see change in the governance. Um, when we look at the stable bond market, will typically, so that's a bit the, the foundation effectively, you know, you need to have a good governance. Um, then what we work on is really the environmental and the social, so E and S. Social, um, the data, there's been a lot of <laughs> talks around it over the years. Um, that's even more complex, effectively, um, more difficult yet to quantify um, than when you look at the environmental side. So I would say social, that's probably where we have even more work to do. We are actually um, co-chairing the social bond working group within the um, ICMA principles, and that's a big focus on, you know, how do you um, have social, um, how do you have impact reporting on social bonds? What measures can you improve there? Um, on the environmental side, um, I would say it's probably one step ahead. Um, and in particular around carbon, that's probably where we have, it's not perfect yet, but that's where we have most progress so far. Um, even then, I would say where we find difficulty is that, you know, we'll be able to find um, data company by company. So going on to, you know, each separate sustainability report is still fairly difficult. Um, to have somewhere where it's all aggregated, you know, are they committed to net zero by 2050? Do they have intermediary targets against which methodology? So there is still a lot of a lot of room to go. Um, I would say, you know, 
different, you will see different regions, different investors will favor one methodology over the other. I would say for a start, if we could have, you know, a, an easy way to find um, references of, you know, do they have target, which one are they, which methodology, that would be a good start, I would say. And in keeping with, obviously, you're not the only person who believes that just having that sense of um, reliability as well as just comparability um, across methodologies would be extremely helpful. And to that, everyone is speaking and saying to me what I'm hearing is that Europe is really leading the way as it relates to regulations, as it relates to the guidance, you know, and there are good proof points to support this when you look at the taxonomy there, when you look at the sustainable finance disclosure regulation there. So Agnes, with that, are you seeing specific behaviors in other regions that lead you to believe that these other regions may be following the lead quickly? I think in the accelerated pace Mm -hmm. is our theme for today. Do you see an accelerated pace in other regions? And if so, where are you seeing it? So I think it's true that, um, you know, Europe has been kind of at the forefront um, around the ESG. It still has maintained that lead. I would say it's probably you know accurate um, that other regions are picking up. And if you look at the US under the new administration, most certainly, and it had started even before. So <laughs> um, that, that will definitely accelerate. Um, I would say one of the key pieces of regulation we look at in Europe is um, under the EU Commission's uh, drive, really, um, with the Green Deal, and in particular in stable finance, we look very much at um, SFDR on the investment side and um, everything to do around the EU taxonomy that will very much impact um, really the way we look specifically at some of um, the, the instruments, like the green bonds, for example. That will have a, a big shift, actually, in effectively we now have a dictionary what is considered or what is a definition of a green project according to the EU Commission. Um, and that's very important because then we can start, then we have a common language and we can start discussing. Maybe we disagree on the definition, but at least we all talk the same language. And I think, you know, alongside measurement, having a clear understanding of definition is very important because, you know, at least you know what you're trying to measure. So in that respect, I think, you know, Europe has really, you know, keep at least probably showing kind of where we try to have the next step coming from. And there are clearly, you know, lots of bridges being built, for example, on the taxonomy between regions. Um, and with every regulation, it needs to be properly dosed effectively. So it achieves the right um, the, the right ambitions. But I, I think at least so far, it has proven to be done um, fairly well, actually. Um, I would say, you know, I would say from the investment side, um, what we have seen in the US is really, really interesting because effectively, you know, even if there wasn't so the same drive effectively from a regulatory perspective, um, really the demand on the investor side has been there and, and we can probably see, you know, over the last two or three years, um, even what we get from, you know, my counterparts sitting in New York, they get so many more kind of discussions and 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 so many more inbounds, actually, whereas in the past they would have been, you know, trying to kind of, you know, engage and have the discussion. And, and now it's more kind of, you know, so many kind of discussions <laughs> that need to be started uh, from the client side. So you can really see that that change. Um, 
and APAC, I would say, has always been keen on on ESG overall. So m maybe you don't see kind of you know such a such a big change of gear effectively that we would see in the U.S. Um, and more generally, uh, I would say. So here, talking about you know regulatory aspects and investment side, um, what is quite important to us at, at BNP Paribas is as well, you know, we see our role um, obviously in, in what I do and what some of my colleagues do in sustainable finance, but also, as I was mentioning at the very beginning, everything we do as a bank, um, how does it translate effectively, um, you know, with our clients, with our communities? And here, I, I do think there is, um, you know, there's been a drive as well um, in Europe, and we were among five of the Katowice, what we call the Katowice banks, um, and they were all <laughs> European uh, at the time, that it was looking basically at the methodology um, to devise the carbon footprint of our um, lending portfolio. Um, and this goes really hand in hand with something that is more recent, which is called the Net Zero Banking Alliance. And effectively, it's, uh, when we signed it, it was 43 um, founding banks saying effectively all our lending and investment portfolio need to be net zero by 2050. And that goes, you know, it's a pair. Basically, now we have the long and medium and we are going to have the medium term um, targets um, and we have the so the Katowice banks and created what is called the Pacta methodology, and that's effectively giving you the tools to measure um, your portfolio sector by sector. So we can unite the two. <laughs> how do we affect it? We have the commitments. How do we reach those commitments in practice? Perfect. So the tools are there in practice, how can we reach the goals? Such great information. Also talking about the success factors that you mentioned earlier, Agnes, having conversation is key, but to your point, education goes both ways. So there's a need for companies to engage and speak to the investors about what their plans are, what the strategies are, but there's also a need for the investors to educate the issuer on where they need them to go and what they need from them in order to meet goals. And obviously a lot of folks would agree with you here, Agnes, the social data, it carries a higher level of complexity simply because it's just much more challenging to quantify and there's definitely more work to do there. Uh, governance is foundational, need that definitely. And also environmental data, um, carbon is where there seems to be most progress, but the difficulty again, and this is something that we see over and over again, understanding which methodology is being used, making sure that it's comparable, comparable, and also the different regions, which regions are favoring which methodology over the other, just a real need to get comparable information that is um, reliable there. And also, I think one of the most important things, we all need to speak the same language. So knowing what we're trying to measure and making sure we have the same measuring stick can help us out tremendously. Agnes Gork, Head of Sustainable Capital Markets at BNP Paribas. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you very much. Thank you. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.